Hi everyone, it's Jenny and Lorraine again. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, really good, really good. Nice that the sun is still shining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this week I was chatting to Jaden, who you will all know. He is one of our youth ambassadors and just an absolute star. So this episode is all about his journey and his tips for um, healthy mental health and how he manages that. So I think people will get a fair bit out of that. Um, what else have we got coming up? Uh, well, Jaden will be live in the VIC group this week because him and Rory rotate every other week they go live on a tuesday at seven so you get to see Jaden this week which is great can i also wish Jaden good luck with his exams because he's doing his exams at the moment and i know he's going to do amazing so good luck Jaden. yeah good um, luck yeah we've got the usual product reviews we've got live videos we've got hacks we've got community success stories we've got discount codes in the vic group so that's one of the reasons you really need to join um Last week, we did a poll in the sensory support group, which is a free group. So if you're not in there, get in there. We did a poll about different colours for our discovery boxes, what people want to see in there. Um, me and Jamie live at five, as always, on a Sunday. And also, if you go over to Instagram, I'm doing a 30-day challenge at the moment. Can you remember the 30-day challenge box you sent me? Yes. I've started doing that and doing it on Instagram. Now, some of them are quite challenging, I suppose. That's why it's called a challenge. But I'm trying to get as many people involved in that as possible. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. Miller had one as well. Although one of them was, um, I think one of the things to happiness was to have sex that day or something, okay. which is not what I expected to pull out of a box for an eight year old. But anyway, um, so managed to whisk that one away before he saw it. Um, yeah, well, yes, yesterday's was taking the day off. So I'm holding that, holding on to that one for another day. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you just shout when you need it. Um, so, yeah, so we'll let you listen to Jaden and we'll be back on after. We love Annette, we love a chat. We love to help, and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of pure frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way, and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory natters. You know what? Hi everyone, it's Jenny back again with another Sensory Matters show and today we have one of our mini celebs, Jaden Worthington, who I'm sure you all know as one of our youth ambassadors. So it's lovely to have another ambassador on to chat to. How are you doing today, Jaden? I'm okay, yeah. Good. Enjoying being off school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am too. It's nice having the kids about, although much harder to get work done, but... There we go. So, um, right. So I think what we're going to do today is just talk about your journey and also a bit about mental health and any tips yeah. you might have for that, because I know that's something you're quite passionate about. So yeah. if we start with your journey, start from the beginning. When did you kind of think or when did your parents think there's something a bit different going on? Well, when I was a lot younger, like... I don't quite know the age, but very young, because obviously they look at, like, delay and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I didn't crawl at all, and I just, I, like, shuffled on my bum. Okay. And then I walked, which they found a bit weird, but mum never really did anything about it. Mm -hmm. But they also thought I might have been deaf at some point. Oh, really? Because I wasn't responding to people much. Okay. okay. So they took me to get my hearing tested. Yeah. But 
the person just said I was stubborn and didn't want to listen. <laughs> okay. So, which we now know is probably because of processing or social stuff. So sort of especially the past year or so, it's just been looking back at when I was younger and being like, Oh, remember when you did that and things like that. Yeah. So it was little things like that and I was always really quiet and hated noise and busy things and okay. like the classic parties were bad. Um yeah. Um, and like I often liked being on my own like I had friends but I always had to be approached I wouldn't go out of my way to chat with people really okay Um, but then skipping over to like 13 years Mm -hmm. old um that's when things started to get like a bit difficult for me because um that's when I started questioning like my gender identity and stuff like that okay um and then my mental health deteriorated in a way um I got quite depressed and stuff about that but I think just general so that kind of led us into mental health services Mm -hmm. when I was 13 for self-harm and anxiety and depression and stuff and they treated me there for a few years um at CAMS and then last year well it always been mentioned that everyone was like oh we think you're on the spectrum that kind of thing from family kind of suspected and school and then once my therapist brought it up with me in a session I think we were talking about social interactions and dealing with change yeah and she was like oh I treat some people with ASD and this is what I do to help those and she was like, oh have you looked into that at all Mm -hmm. and I was like no so then I went home and researched very hard um and was like oh this is me and then mum and I looked at it together and we were like yeah and then a few months later they brought it up in one of our big meetings with the different people I see yeah we were like let's have an assessment so yeah that was about probably about February last year actually yeah wow okay (laughs) so you've you've had a, a year to get your head around it all is it is it a positive thing Yes, um, I can get the help that I needed. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I didn't really realise I needed until I was told what they could do. Okay. Like things like exams, going in a smaller room. Yeah. I It never crossed my mind to do that before, but then they had mentioned it and I was like, actually, that would help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it was lots of things like that. Okay. So going back to when you were in primary school, you said it all started kicking off around about age 13. Was that anything to do with moving into secondary school? Um, Did you well, notice a change between the two? Well, in our um, area, we have um, we had the three-tier school system. Uh, so, okay. Um, it's only just changed this year, I think. So I've been to three schools, really. Right. Group. So 13, it was my last year in middle school. Okay. So year eight um that things were rough and then I think it probably did have an impact the thought of moving up to the bigger school the next year yeah worrying about um how I was going to be seen as and how I was going to cope really yeah um yeah okay so you said at that point that kind of showed itself in terms of mental health challenges with being quite flat and depressed and all the rest of it and and having thoughts about gender identity talk to me about all of that what did that look like well it was probably the end of year seven going into year eight I was questioning my sexuality okay I don't know why I think it's just I felt like I didn't fit in 
with my peers in terms of gender. Um, and I, we in like one of our form times, my teacher had like a box where you could put questions in anonymously yeah. and he'd answer them um, to the class, but not give your name away. Yeah. Um, so I put in there, I questioning if I was gay and stuff. And he was like, that's fine. So once a few weeks later, I mentioned it to him and I was like, that was me. Mm-hmm. I'm so confused. Um, so that kind of, I thought it was that to be fair for a while. And then it got, I came out to my mum as gay, um, December 2014, I think. Okay. Um, and the school were like, oh, this will help. All, all the problems will go away now because it's out there. You'll, you'll stop feeling low. But then, and I thought I would too, but nothing changed. Okay. I, um, so then I started thinking about, well, is it my sexuality or is it my gender? And because I'd seen things on TV and stuff with like Caitlyn Jenner and stuff like that. And I was like, hmm, maybe that. And then I looked into that as well. And I was like, that, that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. It just, it was weird because it was just putting you into a thing of like, who who am I? Like, what's going on? Um, I kind of kept it to myself for ages. And then I did tell my mum out of everyone first. But I planned to tell this teacher first. But you're quite close to that, quite close to that teacher. Yeah, um, I still talk to him now, actually, even though I was at a different school. But um, yeah, so that was very helpful having that link with someone that wasn't a parent and wasn't a therapist. Um, How did your mum take it all? Well, it happened like quite late at night when I told her. So I was in bed um, and I just told her, I think I'm a boy. And she was like, oh, okay (laughs) she wasn't negative about it I think she was open and I think she kind of knew yeah from what we've discussed now um she was just like we can explore it we can do that we'll see what how it goes so yeah I think I've not had a bad reaction from anybody great which is really good (laughs) yeah so that must help your mental health yeah do do you think some of that that depression about it all is worry about what other people will think or is it more caused by um who am I and I'm confused about who I am which is the bigger part of it um I think for me it was the who am I because I when I told my mum I was gay because she was so fine with it I kind of thought or maybe she won't you know I could kind of test how she was feeling about things like that but um I was nervous, but I think the way I told her, I remember I was just laying in bed and I was just laying there going, I think I'm going to tell her now. Because, like, um, I'd written letters and things and not given her them and things like that. Okay. Then when it actually happened, I was just like, I'm just going to do it now. Yeah. (laughs) So there must have been something that was telling me to do it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Why do kids, my children do this, tell you their deepest, darkest, uh, the last thing at night? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm I'm trying to get them off to bed and get on with work and and out comes everything. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's just at the end of the day when you've processed everything, isn't it? And you just kind of... Go spit it all out. Yeah. Okay. So, do you feel you've got a grip of it now, mental health, or is it an ongoing challenge? It's definitely ongoing. I think since my diagnosis, so last June, July, it really improved. Last summer was probably the best I'd had in years. Yeah. Um, and then it got to like November, last November, 
and I started feeling quite low again and I didn't know why and I still don't know why <laughs> um, and that's kind of been ongoing since then really yeah. so um, anxiety wise I've got more of a grip on things I had some CBT um, in 2016 mm-hmm. which really helped me with that but um, in terms of mood and stuff yeah it kind of goes up and down but yeah yeah um, they can still help me through that so yeah you've got the support yeah. which is good so going back to you said it, depression anxiety and self-harm is self-harm something you have then done yeah um most of that year eight was rough in terms of self-harm for me um and still i have those thoughts but i haven't done anything for a while which is good but yeah um yes it was very that's kind of the reason i got into mental health services quite quickly is because right. obviously the danger but yeah and if you don't mind me asking, what, what sort of self-harm was it? Oh, it was cutting. Was it? Yeah. Okay. And so what what's going through your head when that's happening? Are you, are you there? Are you zoned out and you're just doing it? Or yeah, as I'm, someone that's not, you know, done that, I'm trying to understand yeah. the thought process. Um, I think it is kind of a zone out in a way. It did feel like that lots of the time. I think especially after I, when I'd been doing it a lot, it kind of just felt like I didn't really know what was happening. And then afterwards I would realise. Um, but through therapy and stuff, we've realised why it was. And it was things to do with control. Okay. And it was a way of being in control of changes with my body and social groups and life was going quickly, you know? Yeah. Um, so similar um, to someone, yeah. if someone's got an eating disorder, it's it's similar in that that's the one thing that they can control in their lives. Yeah. Gives them a bit of a, a grounding just to yeah, feel I think that's safe. Very much the way it was for me, I think, the control part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very dark time. Yeah, yeah. It sounds utterly miserable and horrible. And it must have been frightening for your family as well um from their point of view so was it something that you hid um I did hide it for a while and then I told that teacher because my friend uh, I told my friend and she encouraged me to tell someone okay um that's a good friend yeah she was a very good friend yeah and then my teacher had to ring my mum for safeguarding reasons okay so that's how she found out um and then yeah, and then I kind of, in sometimes I hid it, sometimes I didn't. I think it depended on, because I, I would do it and then I'd feel bad because I was making my family sad. Yeah. Um. So I would hide it, but then they'd know what was going on. Yeah. So quite an awkward time, really, in terms of hiding stuff. And But in the end, um, because we spoke to school a lot, they would help me that if something happened at school they'd be like come and tell us and we can help you whether that's through first aid like physical or just to chat yeah but then they'd let my mum know and then we went to the GP about it so yeah your school sounds very good um that they they have looked after you do you feel that they have yeah um the problem started with my last school and then now they've been definitely very very good, good. with everything that's going on here yeah okay and so um so the CBT did you say helped with stopping you from doing self-harm or was that anxiety that was the anxiety yeah. that was the anxiety so what how how have you made the transition from um doing what you were doing to not doing it 
Well, I went to, when we went to the GP, they sent us to a local, like, mental health place, which is like CAMS, but not as, I don't know, not as severe as they'd say. Is That was the GP's wording, because okay. it was a bit weird, but he was like, oh, you're not severe enough to go to CAMS, which was a bit silly, because I was yeah. myself, but they were like an emotional well-being, and they worked on bereavement as well. So um, I had some therapy there, but that was like a set amount of sessions you could have. Okay. I think I had about six sessions there with someone and I think it was just talking therapy really and he just gave me alternatives of things to do okay. and lots of worksheets and practical things to do which is helpful for me. So did um, it help you recognise I've got these thoughts, I'm a way to do it and maybe, I don't know, distraction or something else to stop yeah. you from doing it? Is that how it works? Yeah, a lot of it was on distraction and finding things that can help like there was like diff I had this sheet with like a grid and it was sections of like um pain that wasn't um dangerous like flicking an elastic band or squeezing yeah. ice and things or there was things if you liked seeing blood and things like drawing on yourself with a pen that kind of thing mm -hmm. or some things were just like have a bath or read a book or things like that yeah so um lots of it was practical um or there was things like they used to say, um, when you have the urge, say, I won't do anything for 15 minutes. And then when the 15 minutes have passed, say another 15 minutes yeah. until you don't want to do it again. So it was things like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's some good tips for anyone that's in that yeah. position now. But I think the best thing has to have been telling your friend and your friend telling the teacher. But also that must have been difficult from your relationship with that teacher because obviously you trust him. And then for him to tell your mum... Were you angry about that or did you understand it? I think um, I was angry, but then I understood as well. Yeah. Because I, he was I, he was very good at telling me um, why. He was like, I had to tell them because if something, if this, if this um, progressed and got worse and something happened, the school would get in trouble yeah. and he would get in trouble for help not telling anyone. And I didn't want him to get in trouble. Yeah. And I that he wouldn't tell anyone if he didn't have to yeah um, and yeah I think there were times because like obviously if it happened again um and I told the school they'd be like oh I've got to ring your mum again and that was annoying because mum knew that I would tell her probably that I'd done it again or um in school knew but they just had to ring every time but yeah 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 quite difficult but it's good that you have that relationship with that teacher where it's not broken the trust and you you've got that understanding from it yeah. and <clears throat> telling people wasn't all that bad by the sounds of it it, no. it led you to getting help that you needed yeah definitely um so what what do you think stopped you i mean you you obviously told your friend so you must have wanted at that point to tell somebody you must have felt between that i want to do this because i'm upset but I know I shouldn't be, so I should talk to someone. Um, yeah. So you did that with your friend. What is it that stopped you telling the teacher who you trusted and and your mum? Um, I don't know. I think my friend, I knew my friend had done it in the past. Okay. And I think that kind of helped because I knew that we had that trust between us. Yeah. Um, and I knew that I didn't want my mum to get too upset. And I knew my friend wouldn't have had the same reaction I think right plus obviously I didn't know the safeguarding rules of a teacher yeah. and stuff like that so I was worried about what he if he would have to tell my mum and stuff but then through telling my friend 
I think by having one person know, I thought maybe mum knowing won't be so bad. Yeah. And things like that. So the, your biggest fear about telling your mum is upset now? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hearing from this, I'm thinking from my kids' point of view, I know when they tell me something that's upsetting them it can quite often upset me because you you love them and mm -hmm. you don't want anything to be upsetting them so what I'm taking away from this which I'm going to apply to my parenting is try and not let my own emotions um not not show but to, to that level where you would be worried about telling me something for fear of upsetting me because if I would hate my kids not to tell me something for that yeah. reason so it makes me think that's something I need to control so that they know that they're not going to get that kind of reaction I guess um, yeah. so parents out there that's a really great tip is um yeah it's but it is how you, your kids are like an extension of you and their pain is your pain so it's it's hard for parents I think yeah. um okay so that's the the self-harm what what was there when, when you were doing that were there specific triggers did you identify like it was a bad day at school or you were anxious or was there certain things that kicked it off? Um, I think, I don't know, I think when life just got a bit too much and there was lots going on, whether that was a lot of work at school to be done or whether that was friends falling out or just my brain was too busy to deal with. Yeah. Like if I had lots of thoughts, it was a way of slowing things down in a way. That makes sense. Um, particular triggers I think it was just overwhelming moment yeah. um yeah I think that was probably it yeah yeah okay and so you mentioned um anxiety as well so w when do you experience that um well sometimes it was kind of just random and and it still is sometimes sometimes I wake up and I'm just anxious but Busy places, loud places, it kind of links to the sensory stuff, really. Yeah. Now, I think because some of it probably was just overloaded symptoms rather than anxiety, it all kind of overlaps. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So, but luckily, lots of ways that can help kind of overlap with everything. So, that's quite helpful. But yeah. um, just like busy places, um, things like being late really make me anxious. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, or change is obviously an autistic thing yeah change that is probably the biggest thing that affects my life in that way okay um so is school I, therefore good because it's routine do you find holidays harder because yeah yeah um i try and set myself a routine mm -hmm. as, best as i can like i usually keep my morning routine the same maybe it's an hour later but the yeah. time are the same and i or i do them in the same order um and my evening routines are the same every night, no matter what, unless we're going out. But, um, yeah, I find sometimes the daytimes I'm just like, what am I going to do today? Because <laughs> you yeah. haven't got... But I try and make a plan if I can. But holidays, yeah, by the time we get like a week in, I'll probably have had enough. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's really better being at school than being off? Because... Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard one. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But then I guess at school things is it mainstream school that you go to yeah yeah um so i guess and now in in your what do you call the third lot of school is it high school upper school upper we, school yeah so in upper school it it will be more timetable -y type free period things rather yeah. than just days full of generic lessons is that right 
Yeah, well, at the moment we have normal lessons, but because exams are getting closer, um, study leave and stuff's happening. But next year I'm going into sixth form, so that'll have lots of free lessons and things like that, which in a way are helpful because I might be able to go home early or have a rest. Yeah. But it's finding the motivation to get work done in those times as well. Yeah, because you might be exhausted from all the stress and worry over exams and all the other stuff. Okay, so when when you say that you you you've, you're anxious, what does that look like? What does it feel like? Yeah, well, like just like fast um, heart rate, mm-hmm. or I just get a really tight chest. I feel really tight, and like some people compare it to feeling like um, you're really full. You feel like you're kind of got water. You feel like not drowning from the inside that's a bit dark but like you feel like suffer like suffocating in a way yeah um struggling to breathe i used to shake a lot but i don't shake as much now sometimes my legs shake or i feel like inside i'm shaking okay that sounds rather than like hands like that and it feels like jittery yeah but they get quite irritable Mm -hmm. and snappy with people and everything (laughs) um yeah, I think it's sometimes hard to think straight and get thoughts right. And yeah. So, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. So, you, you did some CBT for that, and you say it's improved. Yeah. So, what kind of things were done? How did um, they help? Well, it was a lot of things like, um, there was like a thought cycle we did. The good thing with CBT, it's quite visual. We used to draw lots of diagrams. Okay. So, it was like finding the... Um, I think it was like the trigger of the issue, um, how that made you feel and what that made you do and what you could do about it. It was something like that. Okay. It was a way to think about, um, like, I'm worrying about this. This makes me feel like this. What can I do about it? Okay. It was a way of make, kind of making your thoughts feel like objects and thinking about them like that. Um, Did it involve looking at... Um thoughts and how rational they are in in terms of yeah. like things that you could do something about and things that you actually can't influence at all yeah we looked at that too um that was quite helpful but then sometimes I found it kind of unhelpful with irrational things they'd be like oh you can't do anything about it but then I'd feel out of control yeah and that would make me worry more so we kind of that made us like we kind of steered it differently but we used to look at like um a timeline i remember doing we had to put of my life basically and on points we had to put specific points that made me anxious that i remember okay that was like a school trip in year four or things like that yeah um and how i dealt with it in the past Mm -hmm. so that was quite helpful but we also did a lot of mindfulness as well yeah which i do a lot of so that helped me yeah do you, do you make that part of your daily routine yeah i do as much as i can really in a day okay um it was hard to start with and i know a lot of other people with autism find it hard to because they're making you think about things like you have to think of your thought and like think if it was a thought or a feeling and you have to like really be in touch with your emotions which is hard Sometimes, some days I'm sitting there and I'm doing it and I'm like, this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> so I do just stop because there's no point sitting there and it not working. But um, over time it got better and it does help me, yeah, 
Okay. In general. Okay. So what's 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 the thing that you would say has helped you the most in the last few years? Um, I would say going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's on a course of like CBT, yeah, or just ch- having that point of call that you could go to. Because for like a while we went once a month only, me and mum, with the family therapist who's like in charge of my case, mm-hmm. and we'd just basically feed into him everything that's happened that month, and then go back home, and then do it the same next month. Okay. So just having that place to check in and get a different view on some help and things that would help, and then the more so just being like, oh, you're feeling low. Here's a course of something to do with this person. So. That was helpful. Yeah. So what would you say, um, you know, if you were on one of the sensory support chats that we've we've done in the past and that VIC yeah. members will be able to still do, um, and someone wants to talk to you about mental health issues, what advice would you give them? What would be your tips for trying to keep mentally healthy? Um, I would say um, try and let it out somehow how you're feeling Mm -hmm. whether that's writing it down or writing a poem or drawing a picture or dancing or painting or anything like that just try and get things out of your head okay because you can't keep everything in um sometimes i before bed sometimes i just write down worries and it's just a way of getting them out yeah but then sometimes you can't pinpoint those things so it's finding other ways to deal with those. But then things just like looking after yourself in general, even if that's watching your favourite film one night of the week or having a bath or something like that. Yeah. Just taking time, not just sitting there worrying. Um, do something to look after yourself physically. Okay. It'll improve you mentally as well. Yeah. What do you do yeah. physically? Well, I have a bath. Um or I um, do colouring, like adult colouring, as they call it. <laughs> oh, like that mindfulness colouring that's really detailed. Yeah, sometimes I do that and just listen to music or yeah. I dance as well, um, which is really helpful. But sometimes, obviously, in the middle of the night, you can't just no. <laughs> get up and dance. But um, reading or just watching programmes, yeah, so it's just things like that I do. Okay. And if you could, with, without um, fear of, of anyone, what anyone would think, if you could say to your family and friends, do these things, they would really help me, what would they be? Um, listen, I think, and let me know that you're there. Mm-hmm. I think it's important because people who are struggling won't always want to reach out. Yeah. So I think offer that first thing. Like sometimes, even now, people are like, "Oh, are you okay?" Mm-hmm. I'll be like, "Yeah," but I might not be. Mm-hmm. And I know some teachers, even at school, they ask me if I'm alright, and I'm like, "Yeah," and they're like, "No, are you okay?" So like, actually check in with people. <laughs> yeah, and um, don't don't take yeah. the first answer. Dig a bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And they might be fine, or they might not be. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And do you do drama and dance or have I made that up? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. So is that at school or out of school? Um, both at the moment, yeah. Great. And do you find that helps? Definitely. I think in various ways they've helped me. Um, I started when I was eight at a performing arts group that I still go to. Okay. 
um, I find drama really helps with social skills because you do learn how to read emotions and, and things like some, that. Is that something you've struggled with? Yeah, and I still struggle in some ways because obviously in drama you do like tension stage, which is like the body positioning for different moods. Yeah. In drama they're very exaggerated and in real life people lie and stuff. So I still struggle with that, but it kind of makes me think more about it. Um, and it also helps with communicating and speaking. Yeah. I do um, Lambda exams, which are drama exam things. Yeah, okay. Like music instrument exams, but drama yeah that helps with using your voice and things like that um plus also it helps you be someone else which is sometimes quite helpful like i did um a production of footloose two weeks ago yeah which the character i played was completely different to me Mm -hmm. but it felt really good and i'd get such a buzz afterwards yeah Uh, so things like that and then dance it's just a physical way to move really and it's good for sensory stuff because i'm a big um mover and things like that Mm -hmm. so i like running around and jumping and you know body stimming um so dance is very good for that because it's just basically flinging yourself around (laughs) music um so yeah dance is good for that and expressing yourself non-verbally and it must it must help confidence as well being able to get on up on stage and perform footloose is quite a feat yeah yeah definitely because like when I was eight and I started that group I hardly spoke to anyone I didn't know I remember the first week there I cried loads but then obviously over the last eight years from then things have changed so much and it's great in terms of confidence Yeah. yeah Very good. Well, I think that's a good tip um, to have have something that you enjoy doing that's like a, a release, isn't it? Yeah. And I love the idea that you can go and be somebody else and try it on for size. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, okay. Go, going back to primary school, then. Um, were there? Did you did you have close friendships in primary school? Um, not that I can remember. I think I had one friend. Okay. Who was younger than me. Because my little school was really small. So our year groups were like, we had year three and four were together and year one and two were together because there was very few of us. So I had a friend in the younger year, um, probably in my last few years there. But the rest of the time, I would kind of just do my own thing. And then sometimes people would join in and I'd go along with it. But um, I never really had that close bond. And was that something that ever bothered you? Or were you not bothered? I wasn't really fussed, no. <laughs> no. See, I, th- I think that's yeah. quite interesting because a lot of what you read is that, you know, you see parents saying, my, my child with autism hasn't been invited to the party and isn't invited on play dates and things like that. But by the very nature of autism, they're maybe not that bothered. But yeah. it's the parents who are maybe more bothered. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I guess as you get older, it maybe becomes more important to have friends. Yeah, I think so, because when I got to the middle school, which was year five, um, I find the first year I was still kind of doing my own thing. Yeah. But I think it got to year six and things started to divide a bit more. Okay. And people were getting friendship groups and I was like, oh, I need to try and fit in here somewhere. So I did make the extra effort and try and get friends and stuff. And I had some friends and then I'd always seem to lose my friendships or sometimes I'd go with the wrong person yeah. and 
they, sometimes I was picked on but didn't realise it. Okay. Or um, people used to lie a lot and I wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. And then I'd find out and then my friends would leave and I'd be really upset about it. But then, and then I think year six was also the time I tried to fit in gender-wise. I actually remember a point in year six thinking, wow, they're wearing makeup, <laughs> I should join in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um and I think that's kind of where, probably where it all kicked off, really, because I was trying so hard to fit in and masking as well. Yeah. That um, when it got too much, that's probably where I crashed at the end of this year, at the end of year eight. So, yeah, that's um, friendship-wise. Yeah, I've never really had big groups of friends. No. Yeah. So do you feel like you've got a grip now on your gender and sexuality? Yeah, I think so. I try and, in terms of sexuality, I'm kind of just going with the flow really I'm like whatever I don't really mind who um but gender wise yeah I think I'm pretty um set on how that's going yeah yeah good that must feel good to have that clearer yeah it does <laughs> yeah good okay and obviously the autism spectrum is is so varied and so vast and there are no two autistic people the same so what what does your autism look like what makes you autistic for for you um, I think the way I deal with change, like I said earlier, um, and how I process um, people's intentions and what people do yeah. makes things different for me. And the sensory perception is probably one of my bigger issues. But In like, what senses do you find the most impact on you? Um, definitely hearing and seeing, like, lights. Okay. Um, I have a lot of issues with the light um, and we're actually looking into different reasons for that because okay. we saw some stuff on TV about someone who had this thing, I don't know, about sensory and light and we were like, oh, that's me <laughs> again. <laughs> so we don't really know, but definitely sound as well. I'm very noise sensitive. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean you, you, do you avoid places that are going to be very noisy or do you put some things in place to cope with them? Um, I definitely put things in place. I wear headphones or earplugs and things like that. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes I do avoid things like parties and family, like big family gatherings and stuff like that if I can. Yeah. Um, it kind of depends on the mood as well and the general how I'm feeling at the time. Yeah. Sometimes I'm more ready to deal with it with my headphones. Yeah. But sometimes I just want to curl up in bed and be quiet. Um, but yeah, um, I usually just go for it, but try and deal with it with things in place so your 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 idea of hell for the senses would be what um loud and bright <laughs> loud and bright so yeah. when when i met you at the autism award thing last year that was loud yeah. and bright yeah it was <laughs> which is, hence why you and everybody else ended up sitting outside i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then that worked out fine because you had a nice evening didn't you yeah we did it was lovely <laughs> yeah getting to know everybody else which was good okay um so what about the future for you any any grand plans do you know what you want to be where you want to go um well not really i've got six form next year obviously mm -hmm. um i've chosen well, at our school, they have, like, most people choose four options and then drop one at the end of the first year. Mm -hmm. But the school are trying to get me to just do three because they don't think I'll be able to cope with four, which I agree with. But okay. I'm just like, which 
one do I drop? Yeah. So I'm having a crisis about English language, but um, so what what options yeah. are you going to do? I'm going to do media studies, mm-hmm. photography, geography, and English language. Okay. Um, I love geography, so I thought I'd keep that up. Um, yeah. I need something creative, and I'm not doing the arts at A level because. One, dance is quite stressful as a subject, I mm-hmm. found at GCSE, and drama is as well. I find mm-hmm. the group work quite difficult. Yeah. So I'm going to carry on with my Lambda exams for that. But um, with, yeah, media, I've just really enjoyed, like, the blogging and the YouTube and stuff, and I'm really good at English at school. So my teacher was like, why don't you do media? Yeah. Because it's all the things I love pulled into one, and I can bring drama into that too. That makes sense. And English language, I'm just doing really well at it. And they are like, you should do it. But then I know that's a lot of work. So that's the thing of, do I not take it? But then it's a shame because I'm doing well at it. So it's that. Do you have the option to do the fourth one the following year? Could you, could you do that? Um, I think I might be able to, yeah. Yeah. I think the school would negotiate things like that. But um, I think I definitely want to go into the media route when I'm older. Okay. But I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> don't know how, don't know what. That sounds cool. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got an older sister. Older sister. And is she on the spectrum? No. No. So <laughs> right. how is it having a neurotypical older sister and how is it for her having a non-neurotypical younger brother? Yeah. Well, it's tough. Okay. Because she is very outgoing and she's quite loud. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's just like, calm down. Um but yeah, I think she struggles sometimes because the way I react to things, I think she's just like, oh, or she gets annoyed at me and she's like, oh, just have a bit of fun and things like that. But sometimes I'm struggling sensory wise or I just didn't understand. Yeah. But I think things are getting better and she is understanding more. But then, um, yeah, sometimes she is a bit much <laughs> yeah. for me as well. So, but yeah, she's really good and we do get on really well. So. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. How much older is she than you? Um, she's eighteen, so I think it's probably like, I think it was like twenty months or something right. older. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And do you think it's hard on her? Like, does she does she have what happens if she brings her friends around and things like that? Can that be hard on you and hard on her? Um, I'm not sure. She doesn't really bring her friends around much. I think okay. she, well, she isn't that social really. Okay. She's got her friends, yeah, and sometimes they go out. I think now they're all try, they're all kind of getting driving and stuff. Yeah, so they're going got the freedom out, to go out more. She's not really had people around for a while, um, but I think sometimes it probably is hard because sometimes uh, just going out places. Sometimes she wants to go out somewhere mm-hmm. or like a, so a certain restaurant for dinner, but I don't like that place, so we don't yeah. go. But then so I do feel bad because I know she likes these places. Um, yeah. But I know that as a family, we're working around things like that and they'll go when I'm doing something else or yeah. things like that. So, yeah. That makes sense. And then that keeps everybody happy, doesn't it? Yeah. And so you've got, you, have you got a mum and a dad? Yeah. Yeah. And they're both very supportive of you? Yeah, definitely mum. I've got a very good bond with my mum. Right. Um, my dad works away a lot. So sometimes he's like not in the country or, <laughs> yeah. um, and he worked quite late, but, um, yeah, I think our bonds got better in the past few years, but we've always struggled a bit more, I think with understanding he's struggled to understand, I think the autism stuff a bit more, 
but um we're working on it yeah. <laughs> it does it does take a bit to get your head around because it's it's so different for everybody um yeah. you know everyone that i've spoken to during this series that we're doing is just so incredibly diff- different and loads yeah. of different challenges and things like that so and i think if if you i mean i don't have autism so i i kind of can imagine what it must be like but it's not the same as having it so no. it's it's hard hard i think to to fully get your head around it and then to have your child you obviously just want the very best for them and and so on so yeah interesting so you might you never know you might be the next steven spielberg or something by the sounds of it directing yeah. some big media thing in the future yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely no good for you um and are you enjoying being an ambassador for us yes i'm loving it thank you so much for having me oh no me. we're thrilled to have you we love watching your videos and things they're great thank you <laughs> really good and it's quite a nice little group and community we've got i think everyone's bonded really well and yeah made friends which is fab so it's all good so before we finish up what is your favorite chewy gem then the tread bangle yeah my favorite yeah okay <laughs> why um i like the textured bits yeah. i just like all the textured shoes a lot um yeah. plus it just looks cool and and it's the right thickness like it's not too thick but it's not too thin so you can just chew it any time yeah yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah and it's quite quite discreet as well isn't it for wearing yeah. you just it's just cool looking yeah <laughs> definitely yeah cool okay well thank you very much is there anything that you want to kind of say as your last parting message to the the people that are watching and listening uh i don't know just keep being you <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. and i think talking about all this is really good because it's it's just helping raise awareness and it's helping people understand and hopefully you know ourselves combined with lots of other great organizations that do similar things and trying to raise awareness and understanding it will just get easier for everybody yeah. as we all do understand more so yeah so that's been fab well thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me and i'll no doubt see you at one of our things in the future autism show yep. or whatever yep okay right thank you thank you so that was Jaden and I chatting what did you think Lorraine amazing Jaden's an amazing young man he's such an inspiration so what we're finding at the moment with uh, our ambassadors is that a lot of the younger kids are looking up to them and I'm just loving that so I think this is going to be a really great podcast for people to listen to definitely and just so so positive and some great ideas in there as well which is just brilliant so hopefully it will benefit everybody um, now, next week, we've got Rico, who's from Rico's PDA page. And PDA stands for, oh, I can never remember it, post? No. Pathological demand avoidance. That's it, yes. <laughs> and this is incredibly interesting. So definitely one to tune into next week because it's, it's I, I didn't have a clue about PDA until I spoke to Rico, but it's, it's pretty much at war with her autism. Um, and yeah, with autism having routine and regularity, but PDA doesn't like routine. It likes to be spontaneous. So it's, it was fascinating chatting to her and understanding the challenges that she faces. And she's got some really good strategies for dealing with that as well. Yeah. And yesterday was some big PDA day. Um, and I saw Anna Kennedy was speaking in London. There was quite a lot going on with PDA yesterday. Yeah, so it's it's maybe, I know from talking to her, it's not something that the medical profession have totally recognised yet, yeah. but there is a good bit of noise about it now. So um, I think it's something we're going to hear a lot more of 
um, in the future. So that'll be really interesting. Yeah. So as always, if you're not in the VIC group, subscribe because you want to hear the full version of that. Yes. And I know we're saying every week at the minute, but we're so close to revealing the, the, the big reveal of what, what else you can benefit from with the VICs and the new website. So close. Yeah. So sign up now. OK, right. I think that's us for this week and we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. You know what?